lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to another episode of Seven Friday Night. My name is Chase Bryson, and I'm the managing editor of Sports Stars Magazine. My co-host Beninos is here, and we'll dive into all things NorCal High School football in one second. But first, since finding positivity was such a focal point last week, I'd like to say that I'm in a pretty good place as we record this on Monday. I'm sure Ben will tell you that my in-game 49ers texts tell a different story, but overall, it was a good weekend. My wife and I got away for a quick overnight anniversary outing to Roseville, where we enjoyed some top golf and had some of the best tacos we've ever eaten. Seriously, shout out to Nick's Taco in Roseville. If you like tacos, go there. I'm already looking ahead in the schedule to figure out when I can cover my next game in that area, just so I can have more of Nick's Taco. It definitely made up for a Friday night food disappointment when I discovered that Tri-Tip is no longer a staple at Liberty High School in Brentwood. Like, what's up with that? This should be fixed. But I'm moving on. I'm staying positive. And thinking tacos, tacos, and football. There's no better combo, right, Ben? Uh, no, there's not. Um, uh, you've boiled down my life to its simplest form. Um, so, yes. Hello, everyone. It's it's time. Well, it's time for another peek behind the curtain here at 7 Friday night. Because while Chase went off to do some fine dining this weekend, that left me here to script out what we're going to talk about in this week's episode. And that means that my long-awaited food podcast is finally here. All food all the time. Tune in next week as I do a deep dive into everyone's favorite season, pumpkin spice latte season. See, this is what you get. You leave town and this is what happens. I am the captain. This is why you had me start off with a food topic. That's right. See, you lured me in. That's right. Bait the hook. (laughs) Set the hook. You reel him in. Easy. Fishing on seven Friday night. Oh my goodness. Were you aware that you probably weren't aware that tri-tip is no longer a thing? No. When was the last time I went to Liberty? I know that's, but is that not disappointing to find out? It is very disappointing. I said this, I said this to someone at, uh, De La Salle on Friday night, and they too were dismayed. <laughs> Who can we talk to about this? I don't know. I mean, somebody on speed dial. You're a community member, basically, out there. Come on. <laughs> All right. So I know we'll be talking more about this game later when Coach Terry Edson visits, but you did get to hang with the NorCal Preps media A-listers at the De La Salle Folsom game last week. So share some quick thoughts about what sounded like a pretty decent game since we'll now talk about football. Football. Yes, it was my night to shine. (laughs) I was back among my peers, not hiding from the world anymore. Um, You know, yeah, we're going to cover this game extensively with Coach Edson, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it myself. I will point out that I did try to find Coach Edson, and we'll get into that when we talk to him later. It It didn't go well for me. I skirted some rules too. I'm a rule breaker, Chase. Um, but yes, it was a it was a whole lot of fun to be back amongst some longtime friends and peers uh, in a big game atmosphere. You can't beat a big game atmosphere uh, in high school football, and that's what it was at De La Salle. Um, let's call this what it is: the right team won. Uh, credit to De La Salle for fighting hard in the second half, and they took the lead. I mean, 
which shows you the ability to make adjustments at halftime that the coaching staff made and the ability of the players to turn things around. But you play four quarters, not two. And when you put all four of them together, Folsom was the better team on the night. It was interesting to hear coach Paul Doherty from Folsom say exactly what you said last week, actually, but Pittsburgh might've been the better team and that the Bulldogs got away with one at Pirate Stadium last week. I don't think they felt that way on Friday at De La Salle. Uh, I think they believed they were the better team, and that's what showed on the night. So it's a credit to Folsom, as we've talked about on the pod. It's a credit to how far the rest of Northern California has come to catch up to De La Salle. And if De La Salle can't put together four quarters of good football, they're going to lose games. And until they fix that, you know, I, I told you um, last week, Look out for that game next week at St. Mary's of Stockton because if they don't put four quarters together, the result may end up the same. So, you know, I'm not going to invoke the M word here, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, there's they're dealing with injury issues. Nowhere to go but up, I think, for De La Salle is the, is the uh, talking point. And <laughs> they're going to be there at the end again. Come on. They're going to fix the ship. But for right now, Folsom – Played a really good game. Yeah. And and this that's another topic that we'll talk about with Coach Edson is this that doesn't happen often, but De La Salle's been here before. I mean, it hasn't happened with NorCal teams as often, but they've definitely had starts to years where they have struggled and where a lot of people have started to doubt them. And then where are they at the end all the time? There's still 30 straight section championships on the wall. So maybe it's 29. This might be your 30 this year. Actually, this year might be 30. Yeah, I do food, not math. Food, <laughs> not math. But all the same. Yeah, no, it was, and and you know, it, it, I feel De La Salle has the week off. Folsom and Coach Doherty said it after the game. Celebrate Friday night, but you've got a five and zero Oak Ridge team coming up next week or this week right. that, that prides itself on not allowing any points at all. So. I mean, now the real fun begins for her Folsom in Sierra Foothill League play. Um, we uh, we'll talk more, like we said, about Dale South Folsom later with Coach Edson. But uh, you saved the company on mileage a little bit. Thank you for doing that <laughs> by taking in San Ramon Valley and Liberty. It wasn't a terribly competitive game, and I'll point out, I believe I had that. But tell me a little bit about Luke Baker and the high-flying wolves who you wrote about the following day on our website. I was quite impressed with what I saw of Saramone Valley. Uh, the wolves certainly have weapons on offense, but everything starts with junior quarterback Luke Baker, though. The third of three brothers to start a quarterback for the wolves, Baker is super efficient, and he certainly was on Friday. He was 21 of 27 for 381 yards and five touchdowns and maintained his crazy impressive 77% completion rate. He utilized seven different receivers, and the Wolves also had six different ball carriers in its rushing attack. They racked up 549 yards of total offense, and yeah, you're right. They, it was a it was a bit of a lopsided win, 42-14. Uh, for my story, I wrote a lot about Baker and how he's got the team off to a 4-0 start. They should be favorites to beat Fidel Pleasanton at home this weekend before a good matchup next week at McClymonds of Oakland before they start East Bay athletically play against Clayton Valley. And so, yeah, I was quite impressed with them. They're definitely going to be a contender in the in the Mountain Division. Ceremon Valley is a Division Two team, so it's not quite as as stark um, for them. But 
there are some division one teams that want to definitely avoid the seven and eight seeds in that bracket and, you know, and be in the division one tournament as opposed to the open tournament. So some of these games uh, like, like Simon Clayton will, will matter for sure. It's uh, we're, we're turning to a good part of the season because we know a lot about a lot of teams now. And now we go into league and we start to get rivalries and it's uh, this is one of the best times of year for sure. We didn't have a chance to get a guest this week, so we're going to spend a little extra time chatting. And uh, the Wolves are among many teams who remain unranked despite unbeaten records. We actually wanted to spend a little time on some of the other off-the-radar unbeaten teams this week because there are several. And I'll start with two that are also in the EBAL, though in the Valley Division. You mentioned Livermore last week, who's led by one of our old friends from the newspaper days, John Wade. The Cowboys improved to 5-0 last week with a route of Balboa San Francisco, They're led by a senior trio, Tyler Trudeau at quarterback, Elijah Hodgers at running back, and Dominic Johnson at receiver. Through four games, Trudeau had 10 touchdowns and no interceptions. Hodgers had rushed for more than 550 yards, and Johnson had seven TD grabs. Also, the Cowboys defense has allowed just seven points or less in three of the team's five games. Matching them at 5-0 in the same division is Doherty Valley of Saramone. The Wildcats uh, are off to their best start since 2015 after beating Deer Valley Antioch 28-21 last week. Devin Garcia, Joseph Hallam both had a pair of scores in that win, and I'm excited to see both of these programs doing well, as I think we could see actually quite a good race in that Valley Division uh, that also includes Dublin, Foothill, and Granada Livermore. There's a lot of parity there, I think. So those are a few that that I just decided to uh, to jot down some stuff on. I know you have a few. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I spent my weekend when we decided to start talking about teams that we don't normally maybe shine enough light on, but are who who are undefeated, I started making a big list, and it was a big list. Uh, lots that of was. teams that are uh, undefeated, and uh, we haven't mentioned a ton. So I'm going to – well, we've mentioned one, and I'm going to use this opportunity to insert big win for the mighty El Cerrito Gauchos on uh, – Friday at Vacaville, we spotlighted that as a big game, and I think it was like fourteen to six or something like that. Fourteen to nine, yeah. Fourteen nine, yeah. Gaucho football, right there. I called uh, that. You did. Yeah. So um, that is one team undefeated, and I, like I told you last week, I'd be surprised if they lose between now and the end of the regular season. But um, let me mention. Let me go to a team that we are incorporating a little bit more this year into the conversation. It's Sutter. Um, the, the Huskies moved to the Sac Joaquin section this year and, uh, they're in the pioneer Valley league and they're coming in with a six and O start right now. And on October 14th, it looks like their game against the 12 bridges raging rhinos could be one of significance. <laughs> I really wanted to say raging rhinos, <laughs> um, and 12 bridges, I believe new school, right? Just a couple years yes. old. Yeah, this is their first varsity season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so that's um, uh, Sutter. Really, you can you can go through a switch like that, and even if it's just a league, things change a lot in the way you normally do things, and let alone changing to a new section. We saw Benicia do it recently with um, the NCS. So, yeah, Sutter uh, rolling six and zero, good on them. Uh, I also this is not going to shock anybody, but I also want to mentioned some West Contra Costa teams. Uh, and I want to mention the Tri-County League Stone Division. You went to the Valley Division for um, the EBAL. I'm going to talk about the Stone Division in the Tri-County League. 
Kennedy of Richmond, St. Patrick, St. Vincent of Vallejo, and St. Mary's of Berkeley, all 4-0 right now. Uh, and league play starts pretty soon for that league. So I think that's going to be a fun league race to watch to the end. Obviously, Kennedy's been on the up uh, the last couple of years under Greg Marshall, but uh, St. Pat's and St. Mary's, good on them for starting well. So lots of teams. Like I said, we've got – I have this huge list uh, – Lodi, uh, another team that we've been talking about because they're going to play St. Mary's of Stockton this week. Yeah, I, I was looking at your list. I jotted down for a few from the Central Coast section that you had here that deserve some love. How about two Mountain Hamilton League teams, Christopher Gilroy and Lincoln San Jose? Both teams are 4-0 and could potentially each be 5-0 when they face each other next week. Although, Lincoln would have to get past another undefeated team this week when they face Brandon of San Jose on Friday night. So. That's interesting. More San Jose love. I told you last week on our picks, it was all about the monarchy. The (laughs) mini monarchs are undefeated. Well, they have to play Sarah this week. So that's why I'm shouting them out now. (laughs) Got to get ahead of these things. Wise. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of teams. Concord High School. Shout out to the Minutemen under uh, Coach Reno with a little bit of a resurgence. Don't forget about. uh, Campo and Akalanis, a couple teams in the Diablo Athletic League that we expected to be pretty good. Uh, they play in two weeks, maybe, two or three weeks. I really like a lot of these A and B League setups that the North Coast section have and trying to find parity um, within the same within the same region and leagues because um, I think it definitely creates more chances for league titles, which is important, and it actually creates some pretty good competition. So it's nice yeah. to see that. And we were, you and I were bouncing back and forth last week. The NCS is actually in the process of going through realignment again. Not a whole lot of changes, but a couple of key ones that uh, the NCS board of managers are going to be talking about uh, late this year as to football specific changes. So um, we could see some, we could see some small changes, but not huge ones like we did back when we were at the newspaper and we were. They were going through the process. You and I both sat in meetings oh, where they came through. Uh, they brought up these proposals to create these super leagues with competitive equity balanced divisions, and it's worked out. So props to uh, – I don't know that I've said this much in my career. Props <laughs> to Gil Lemon and uh, the NCS for yeah. being forward-thinking at that time. I agree. And now we're going to take a quick time out for a quick message from Sports Stars Magazine's podcast partner, the California Army National Guard. At some point, your community will be challenged. It could be a flood, forest fire, hurricane, or civil unrest. When it happens, be the one to answer the call. Rescue the stranded. Protect the threatened. Save the injured. Join the National Guard and serve your community when it needs you most. Visit nationalguard.com to find out more. Now it's time for us to switch gears and bring in the third member of our merry bunch. Coach Terry Edson joins the show as we talk about Folsom's win at De La Salle. Times in the past when De La Salle has faced similar adversity. And in tribute to Jimmy Garoppolo's backpedal safety, Coach's favorite bonehead plays from over the years. So here we go. So we welcome Coach Terry Edson back to the show. And man, do we have a lot to talk about. First... (laughs) Let me say that I was so sneaky during halftime on Friday during the De La Salle Folsom game. I made my way around the east end zone at Owen Owens Field. 
I evaded the cheer team seniors being honored. I got outside of Vice President Leo Lopez's gaze, and I set out in search of the former De La Salle defensive coordinator. Once I got to the other side of the field, I couldn't find him. I did use the opportunity to have a nice conversation with NCS Commissioner Pat Cruikshank, but Terry, you're like a very loud ghost at games. <laughs> a very loud guy. By the way, Pat Cruikshank, former uh, Moreau um, 76 graduate as myself, <laughs> just like to point that out. I saw him before the game as well. How are you going to see uh, search me out when I was in the locker room? See, that's I didn't know that. I made it over there, and there you were nowhere to be found. <laughs> that's correct, because I was I'm up in the box um, this year, just answering questions and helping out wherever I can as a consultant. Not coaching, I'm consulting, and so at halftime, I always go down and discuss a couple of things that we saw. Take the emotions out of it, which isn't real easy, I know. But what did you see on the field that you thought proved to be the difference in that game? Well, <laughs> well, we did what I thought, you know. Um, remember, I told you if we don't run the ball, we don't have a chance. But it was just a, a wasted half. You, We just, you know, scored no points in the first half um, was the killer. And we actually had a, a couple plays ready to go they just weren't executed correctly and they would have been executed um they we definitely would have put points on the board and unfortunately that's just like i told you that's part of the game you when you have your chances you got to take advantage of them and we just didn't do that and and i for the life of me i when i was coaching and and i saw it um friday night as as well and i think ben could you know, he watched a lot of high school football games, so I'm sure he would um, agree with this as well. I thought we came out for a big game, home game. I thought we were extremely flat, which I have no answers for that. I mean, it was like we were just going. I felt the team just watching, just kind of going through the motions, which I, I don't understand. And I've been saying for 40 years if you could figure the mind of a teenage boy you could probably make a lot of money so uh i i just i was um, i was really mystified by that i'm not around them you know every day you know i'm around them in a sense of school and but I, that was real surprising to me now they came out in the second half with a lot more fire and it showed on how we played in the second half but i just think we just we squandered the game in the first half just with our lackadaisical attitude yeah, the things that jumped out to me the most, first of all, uh, if anyone was looking for high-quality football analysis, look no further than 7 Friday night, because when I looked at the stat sheet at halftime and De La Salle had less than 80 yards of rushing, it reflected how the game was going. It was exactly as you had predicted last week. Um, but the thing that stood out to me the most, I think, uh, in getting a chance to watch De La Salle for the first time this year was – it just didn't seem, and injuries are a huge part of this, I just didn't see that that rhythmic fire off the line, that De La Salle offensive line dominance that has been a, a hallmark for years. In that first half, I really felt like Folsom won the line battle, and that made a big difference. I'm curious if that's what you saw as well. There's no doubt about it. We didn't establish anything, but I, I do believe that this, look at, I don't care what uh, anybody says, you know, this, this, this game, uh, 
is played on emotion and adrenaline. And it's it, there's nothing, if you watch any football game, and especially when you watch home teams, when they get behind, how momentum changes, the crowd gets behind the team, the players start uh, getting behind each other. It's, it's a real, it becomes like a wave of momentum in the game. And there was just no fire so of course, why why would our line? Why would that be any difference? There's just, there's no fire in the team, so that's going to be reflective how everyone's playing out there. And then it was like I felt starting in the third quarter was like a whole different attitude switch. Now you you can see that, like you said, we talked about last week with Vic with letdown games, or maybe you played a brutal schedule for five or six games, and now you're playing um, a team that maybe you know is not the caliber of what you've been playing. So there's kind of a letdown. It might take a while to get going, but this is fulsome. And this was a huge game. I, I was really taken aback by our, our lack of enthusiasm um, for, for the game. And, and I just, I saw no spirit, no life in the first half. I mean, and that was surprising. And I, it was, you know, second half, but you, you spot them 10 points. You can do that against a good team. Good luck. I do. I want to be uh, fairly careful here not to proclaim the end of all eternity because last minute losses to Sarah and Folsom hardly qualify as the earthquake that separates Concord from the rest of California and, and causes the rock to come save humanity. <laughs> but but for a historic program like this, it a couple of losses like these just kind of seem to hit a little bit different because it's just not normal. It's not normal on Winton Drive to go through a period like this. I'm wondering during your time on the sideline, can you recall any points in time where you guys as a program were, were kind of left wondering how you were going to get things back on track? Yeah, right off the bat, I'm thinking of 2004 when I think, what were we, 1.1 and 3? And that was when the streak was busted by Bellevue. And then we were very unspartan-like um for about the first seven or eight games i mean that was that was a head scratching um uh, uh year for us and then we ended up you know getting it together and winning north coast section that year and i would think um 84 i mean 84 i'm sorry 2004 2005 2006 we we got off a, a off track a little bit and got things back together again in 2007 we made it down to state but those but the difference was you know we were losing like to mission va or you know other out teams so you know we haven't i i have not experienced this many or been around this many losses to just you know local northern california teams um like this so that is, that is a concern. <laughs> there's no there's no doubt about it. I'm not willing to give up on the season yet because, you know, we could, you know, things change. And because, you know, I think you saw it, Ben, when we when we, you know, got our spirit and fire under us. I mean, we, you know, the, against Folsom's second half, we looked a, a completely different team. And, and if we played like that for a whole game, could the outcome be different? I would say you you have to say definitely could have been a different outcome. So I think we're, we still have the ability to do that, but uh, they're going to have to find themselves. And that's something the players, 
you know, as a coach, you can only do so much. The players have to find that within themselves and to, to rally around each other. And there, like I said, there's the players have to, I always used to say players have to have it, have to want it more than the coaches. That, that's all there is to it. You can't, you know, make kids care about the game. They have to, they, that's something they're going to have to turn around their season. And if they've had enough, maybe they'll, they'll do that. But theoretically, you know, we could still be playing Folsom for, I mean, for a division one championship. I mean, it's their seasons, our season's not over by any stretch of imagination. So I hope the athletes understand that, but they should also understand that they have they have to go into each week and each game with a different attitude. It's just they're just not going to be able to put on. One thing's been established. You're absolutely correct. You can't just put on the De La Salle jersey now and just think, oh, you know, it's automatic. You're going to have to fight and scratch the rest of the season. So I hope they realize that. Knowing your feeling on bye weeks, is this a good week to have a bye, or or even worse to have a bye? Would you rather? Well, considering the field yeah, and- uh, you know me in bye weeks, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> not, but I think just for the sense of healing up, I think it's going to be important for the team to have this is a good opportunity to uh, take a little respite. A lot of, like I said, there's been a lot of guys who are banged up and let them heal up. So I think in that sense, uh, it's going to be really good in a sense of healing. Um, and I, I think I do. I think you're going to see, I think, you know, you, you go in your season and you had your summer and, you know, where you're practicing and, you have your plan and you have the plays and things you have in mind with the guys you're going to run it. And I think you're going to, you're going to see some changes going into the St. Mary's game. And they're going to see some different people playing different roles. I think as a coach, you have to say after five weeks, if this isn't working or the offense isn't going the way I want, or guys on defense aren't doing what I want, you know, it's the definition of a crazy, right? If you're going to, it's doing the same thing, expecting different results. It's there's going to be some changes, I think, and I think this bye week is going to allow them to make some changes as well that I think are going to be positive for the team. All right. Well, sometimes if you don't laugh, you'll cry, right? And and I don't feel like crying on this show. So to help with my healing process, let's talk about Sunday night's game and the 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo dropping back out of the end zone for a safety. So let's heal with some humor. You don't have to name names if you don't want to, but I'm curious. What's the most boneheaded play you've ever witnessed on the football field? I'm sure you've seen your share. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Did he not throw a pick six before he after he stepped out of bounds? <laughs> he so did. it was actually an genius play. He saved them four <laughs> points. I don't understand what the problem is here. They lost by one, so call me crazy. Uh, <laughs> did, you see, did you see the Miami game? I did not see the Miami game. Where the punter oh. punted off the upbacks, but uh, yes, I just see that. I saw that replay. Yeah, we did that in a state game against Centennial, <laughs> so that wasn't one of our finest moments. <laughs> except we didn't get a safety. I think they didn't they get the ball at the one yard line or somewhere. It was not good. Uh, <laughs> believe me, we've done that. It made a huge sound. It just echoed throughout <laughs> the stadium. I'll never forget that. It was, we were backed up in the end zone. And then boom, it's like, oh my goodness. But um, I tell you, I have seen bonehead plays. I think the biggest bonehead plays, and I don't, I, I would give names, I just don't remember their names, is when teams have the game salted away and because of their poor clock management by their players, 
they give teams a chance. So I remember, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, it was the first game of the year and Penn state was playing. I don't know who they're, I forget who they're playing, but they were ahead by one point and it was like fourth and three or something like fourth and one. Um, or maybe it was not even been actually, I don't think it was fourth down. It was probably third down or second down, but they needed to get two yards for first down. The other team had no timeouts. So if they get the first down, they win the game. And the running back breaks through and I, and instead of taking a knee, he runs it in the end zone and they go up by eight. Other team gets the ball with like a minute, 10, no timeouts, goes down, scores, gets the two point conversion, wins in overtime. Those are super bonehead plays. When you got the game one, you don't worry about your stats or scoring a touchdown. And they, and they called the timeout right before, um, the play went out. So that's the time you got to remind your players. We're not scoring. If we get the first down, take a knee. And that to me is a huge bonehead play because you've just snatched victory, the jaws of victory away from your team by doing that. And then I remember if God years ago it was a bowl game. I want to think it was Georgia, but this was a, a while back. And I always learned that lesson. They, the other team had no timeouts minute 30 left to go in the game. Guy picks it off. Instead of just taking a knee and winning the game, he tries to run it back for a touchdown, gets hit, fumbles it, gets the team the ball back. They take it down and score and win the game. So those to me are super bonehead plays because you're not thinking about your team. You're thinking about yourself, and that's really, really frustrating. The object of the game is to win the game and do what's best for your team. And when you do things – you know, so you can score or and it's just not what the game's about. So that to me are, are the biggest bonehead plays when you have victory and you lose the game because, you know, you weren't smart enough just to take a knee on, in, on offense or defense. So that that was bad. Did you uh, see video of uh, of Miramani's own Ken Dorsey uh, reacting to uh, oh. that game? In the, in oh, the press not, only did, not only did I see it, but I paused it and brought my <laughs> wife in who rarely comes in to watch any football. And you go, hey, you think I'm a psycho on the field? <laughs> watch this. And I played it for And I go, I never broke a laptop before and all that. I have thrown things on the ground. Yeah, one time we were we uh, gave up like um, – I think it was a, a long kick return. We might've given up a kick return and I threw the papers on the field, literally 80 yards away from the play. And I got called for a 15 yarder for throwing something on the field. I go, are you kidding me? It's not even near the play. Really? Yeah. I'll never forget that one, but yeah, I got chastised by the head coach for that one as well. But I'm just going like, I'm the special teams coach. You think I'm going to be happy that we just gave up a return? Come on. I'm imagining Ken Dorsey's outburst yesterday was pretty similar, if not spot on, to what happened in Chase's house last night. <laughs> With the Niners? <laughs> yeah. I threw a hat, not a laptop. So. I'm concerned about the Niners right now, Chase, and so should you. Okay. <laughs> that was – but, hey, history is made, right? That's, I think it's not only the second time in NFL yes. history where it's 11 to 10. Yeah. Second time. Chargers steal. I was looking it up because I go, this score, this can't be normal. And then <laughs> right. Chargers Steelers 2008 was the first time in 12 over 12,000 games where that score was like that. So, you know, got to see that at least. I just want to point out that Chase sent a very despondent 
text message in the third quarter, I think, third quarter, saying 49ers lose 12-10, book it. <laughs> and I'd just like to point out that not only did was he wrong. Yeah, but, way uh, wrong. He's way wrong. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, I hope that segment proved cathartic for you. Uh, now you should feel refreshed and ready to join us again Thursday for the pick show where you're suddenly gaining steam as long as you don't have to pick teams with De La Salle ties or, or De La Salle itself. <laughs> I'm on a winning streak. Look out. I'm two and one, two weeks in a row. <laughs> All right, Coach. All right, thanks. A good session with Coach Edson, as always. And now it's time for your favorite moments of the pod, unless you want to start. Uh, you know what? I had a thought. I had a thought recently that maybe we should uh, put this week's picks up for a challenge, and whoever does best in each week's picks ends up having to do the final read. You would, you don't want to see me do this final read because <laughs> I, I'll draw it out for so long. People will be here for like 20 minutes as I enunciate every word of where they can find us on Breaker and Pocket Cast and Google 17. You mock it, but you love it. You here know we go. It, you love it. <laughs> All right, so here we go. We want to once again thank Coach Edson for making his usual stop, and we'll work on getting in a second guest for next week. We build 7 Friday night using Anchor, but the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for 7 Friday night, and please rate and subscribe. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we tend to include. This week, there may be pictures of tacos. Also, follow the show on Twitter at at SportsStarsPods, and you should also be following SportsStarsMagazine at at SportsStarsMag. That's where you'll get all the latest updates on upcoming guests and more. Our cover art features photography and design by yours truly. Our theme music was produced by Dustin Phillips, who performs in multiple bands in the Sacramento area. And there you have it. Ben, final thoughts. Final thoughts, final thoughts. Um, so I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. I'm going to go off script a little bit. Um, I don't think it's a raging shock that Chase and I figure out what we're going to say before we uh, subject you all to it. Um, but it's been a tough weekend in one respect. Uh, and I very much struggled personally with how to address what happened with Richmond High School uh, on Friday night. Uh, I think everybody's pretty aware of my background. I'm the son of two educators in the West Contra Costa Unified School District, son of a former vice principal at Richmond High School. I think what went down between Galileo and Richmond on Friday was was extremely sad, just extremely sad for everybody involved. Uh, I think it was an act of ignorance. Um, and, and I'm sad for the Galileo kids. I'm sad for the Richmond kids. And I'm sad that it came to what it came to. Uh, shout out to Ethan Castle for... I think doing a very nice job of reporting the story in the San Francisco standard. Um, we've started to see the local TV stations pick up on it um, here lately, but uh, yeah, just a sad situation. And I've been thinking a lot about it. Um, actually <laughs> my first game that I ever covered in my entire career was Richmond against Tamil Pius. And when I interviewed to be a part-time staff writer for the Contra Costa times in 2003, one of the interview questions was, do you have a, a problem going into areas like Richmond <laughs> or Antioch? 
that was an actual interview question. That was in 2003. We're in 2022, and those questions are still being asked, and that's sad. So uh, I just wanted to touch on that briefly um, because it, it's been weighing on me a little bit this weekend uh, because it's uh, it's close to home. So uh, good luck to Richmond this week. Uh, go get a win, Oilers. I'm rooting for you. I don't care who knows it um, <laughs> because you guys deserve to have uh, a good season. Um, and shout out to Brian Fisher for holding that thing together with duct tape because it's not easy to coach in those communities. So um, now that uh, I've got that off my chest, it is an interesting week. Uh, Sierra Foothill League is getting going. So, Chase, I'm thinking maybe you and I should rent a house in that area for the rest of the year. Somewhere near Roseville? Popcorn. Somewhere yeah. near Nick's yeah, Taco? there you go. Yeah, there we'll we go. go. Um, <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> That's in the cards. We'll talk to our respective significant others. Um, we've uh, we got some good games here in the Bay with Pittsburgh taking on McClymans and uh, a couple other good under-the-radar contests like Amador and Menlo. Uh, and then there's a big Saturday slate this week too. Clayton at Jesuit, Bellarmine at Reardon. So uh, we're getting to the midway point. Lots to pay attention to. And I am preparing my recipe for tomatillo avocado salsa for next week's podcast Chase, think of the podcast extras. Think of the videos of Chef Ben. If you do that, then we have to record together in person. I, I, I would need to eat some of that. That, that would delicious. require forward scheduling and planning. <laughs> and uh-huh. that is not the strong point of 7 Friday night. It is not. So what do you think? What are you, what are you looking forward to this week? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm I'm happy that you spoke out about Richmond. I know that was definitely weighing on you, and you were up in the air on whether you were going to say something. And I think uh, I I echo everything that you said. In fact, I believe I too was asked that in an interview um, as well. So crazy, crazy stuff, and sad as you point out. And uh, I'm glad you addressed it. So I'm I'm fired up about this week. As you said, we got a good slate. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back together on Thursday and uh, throwing some picks out. I feel pretty confident in my challenge games this week. Those should be fun. Wow. So, okay. Good I know. Here we go. All right. We will see you guys on Thursday for our pick show. And until then, adios. I'm the captain now.